Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my latest podcast episode, I explain what's really going on with the third largest selling energy drink brand in the U.S., Bang Energy, filing for bankruptcy protection. But before we get started, I would love if you took 48 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Bang Energy just filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which likely makes you feel a certain type of way. But I'm here to kind of sidestep any of that emotional BS and explain what's really going on at the empire that Jack Oak built. By now, even though it's been like 48 hours since the press release came out, you've likely heard that Vital Pharmaceuticals, aka VPX Sports, aka the parent company of Bang Energy, announced it had filed voluntary petitions for protection under Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Code. Well, I read most of the, I think, like 75-plus court documents. That amounted to well over a 1,000 pages in hopes that I could provide facts on the Bang Energy bankruptcy and break down what everything ultimately means for the company and the entire energy drinks market. So my assumption is that... The Bang Energy bankruptcy is causing such an outcry of commentary because of the combination of either, first, you, you kind of like or dislike the CEO, Jack Oak, you like or dislike the energy drink brand or, or the product, and then thirdly, a misunderstanding of bankruptcy overall. Let's take out what you kind of personally think or feel about the Bang Energy CEO and or the energy drink brand for now and just kind of start at the word bankruptcy. It's probably one of the most misunderstood business actions there is, and mostly because the word bankruptcy creates an instant negative reaction in our minds. It reminds me of another business strategy, price discrimination, that I recently talked about in a blog article on my website. Similarly, it's highly misunderstood and automatically gets tons of negativity placed on it. Now, I'm not going to give you the dense kind of business school run through as I'm sure there's a ton of like Google machine queries that can help you if you care that much, but uh, just understand that there are a handful of different bankruptcy types, so different kind of parts of the code of the bankruptcy code. The two forms of bankruptcy that most people are familiar with, yet they kind of incorrectly combine is chapter seven and chapter 11. Chapter 7 is a total liquidation and is the most common type of bankruptcy for individuals. Instead, most companies file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is essentially a reorganization plan that both the court and the creditors must approve. Also, because the bankrupt business stays open operationally during the process, it almost always requires them to secure what they call a debtor in possession or DIP financing. You might be asking yourself, what would entice a lender to work with an insolvent company? Well, DIP financing is given first priority on assets. In the case of the company's liquidation, an authorized budget, a market or premium interest rate, and any additional comfort measures that the court or lender believes warrants inclusion. This is the case in the Bang Energy bankruptcy. 
I won't run through all of the terms because really it's not that important for you, but as it's stated in the press release, they are being supported by $100 million of additional financing from existing lenders that is managed by Truist Bank. Okay, so as you can see, at least in the short term, Bang Energy will not be going out of business. As the press release stated, all business operations will continue. It also will not be changing hands if Jack Oak is able to find a way to refinance its almost $1 billion in debt. If that doesn't happen in the next three and a half months, Bank Energy will be put up for sale. For those of us that are deep in the beverage world and specifically the energy drinks category, all of this doesn't necessarily come as a surprise and actually probably formalizes the suspicions that most of us have all had. The bankruptcy documents show that Bang Energy has been in bad shape financially since earlier this year when it defaulted on hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. Before I get into why Truist Bank didn't force bankruptcy actions earlier, I think this is a good time to kind of transport us back to a decade or more and explain how Bang Energy got to this point. For those that didn't see the social media post from this past Sunday, Bang Energy had its 10th birthday, or at least in its current iteration. Regardless, it's really an insane juxtaposition to the day earlier when bankruptcy documents were filed. But for those that are unfamiliar, Bang Energy isn't where the Jack Oak entrepreneurship story began. I talked about this a bit in a previous piece of content, but in the early 90s, he opened a small supplement store while he was still a high school science teacher in South Florida. It's really like an inspiring story, as the supplement shop was called Vita House because he lived and slept in the back on a crappy mattress. In 1993, Vital Pharmaceuticals, aka VPX Sports, was founded because Jack Oak was fed up with the quality issues that were happening within the supplement industry. Throughout the 90s and the 2000s, VPX Sports went on to become one of the premier supplement brands in the rapidly growing sports nutrition niche. It wasn't until the mid-2000s that VPX Sports tried its hand in beverages. That initial beverage offering was called Redline, and it really paved the way for Bang Energy. In 2007, I was still in college at this time, but I was asked to work my first Arnold Classic Expo with another South Florida-based legacy sports nutrition brand called B-Sports. This is about the time when I first came across Jack Oak, after I was briefly introduced to him by a VPX Sports employee. While it will be kind of many years until Jack Oak and I become more friendly, I mentioned that like meeting 15 years ago, along with the fact that I've been deep inside the sports nutrition niche that whole time, because it helps show my breadth of experience with the person, his business, and the market. But in 2008, off the back of Redline's early success, VPX Sports initially launched Bang Energy as a non-carbonated um, beverage, um, resembled kind of like a pre-workout non-carbonated beverage in the same packaging size and shape of Redline. After struggling to get traction in kind of that old school beverage DSD model, Bang Energy was redeveloped and reformatted into the carbonated energy drink that we all know of today in 2012. Now, what took the iterative Bang Energy from nothing to an absolute revenue-creating rocket ship in a handful of years? To simplify it as much as I can, 
I think it comes down to three things. Firstly, a unique differentiable product. Second, they hired experienced beverage people to build out their DSD distribution network. And then thirdly, aggressively creating demand through specifically influencer marketing strategies. While all those things on their own are independently important, when everything is mixed and aligned strategically with great timing, you can make magic happen. Fast forwarding to 2018, this is when it became very likely that Bang Energy would surpass Rockstar Energy to become the third largest selling energy drink brand in the US market. By blazing the trail for a new subcategory called performance energy drinks, the Bang Energy effect became so strong that it forced existing energy drink names to launch Me Too defensive products, caused the Coca-Cola company to fight Monster Energy in arbitration just to launch a failed Coke Energy, and sparked a beverage entrepreneurial spirit that has really never been seen before at that level in the sports and active nutrition industry. It was literally wild, the gravitational force of Bang Energy, and what was evident in 2018 became a reality in 2019, as the energy drink brand passed Rockstar Energy by posting a revenue number that reached $1.3 billion. For the first time since I believe 2007, the energy drinks market had a shakeup in the top three. That caused a collection of early to mid-2020 market deals from PepsiCo, which first began by acquiring Rockstar Energy for really optionality reasons, and ended with them locking up the hottest girl at the proverbial energy drinks dance, aka Bang Energy, in a non-equity exclusive distribution contract. That was the rise. Now, it's time for the fall, unfortunately. Most of us know what happened over the next two years as the Bang Energy and PepsiCo experiment started poorly and really got worse over time. It's really like easier to see these business landmines after they've been stepped on, but I think there are a few kind of things that went on. Firstly, a mismatch in culture. There was also a misunderstanding of, around, and maybe poor execution of the distribution model swap. PepsiCo focusing too much of their time on the revamped Rockstar Energy that they spent almost $4 billion on. You also had the COVID-19 effect, kind of related timing challenges, and a huge rise in the overall competition in the U.S. energy drinks market. Then in June of 2022, we officially saw the ugly breakup between PepsiCo and Bang Energy happen. But wait, didn't I say that Bang Energy was struggling financially even months before that breakup? Yes, and while not necessarily disclosed, my speculation is that this financial trouble arose from the lack of growth that happened between 2020 and 2022, mixed with business model choices at Bang Energy. By choosing to vertically integrate themselves versus an asset light model like, say, Monster Energy, and deciding to add capacity fast and furious style based on earlier aggressive growth models, you end up with this kind of like oil and water business problem. You have costs that outweigh current revenue levels. And the only way to fix that is through cost-cutting measures, which usually is a publicity nightmare and kind of alerts people of what's going on internally, or you try to raise revenues. So with its existing lenders knowing the breakup that was going to happen with PepsiCo and the belief that Jackoa could turn the billion-dollar company around, it advanced them another $60 million of new money. This was also around the time that I got word Bang Energy was looking for outside investors. The company looked for months, but was really like unable to find deals on either the 
equity side or the debt side that would suffice its current level of needs. You might even recall the rumor that Keurig Dr. Pepper, aka KDP, was looking to acquire Bang Energy for a number somewhere in that like two to three billion dollar range, which seemed extremely low, was like a lowball offer based on recent categorical multiples that were just established earlier with a PepsiCo and Celsius Holdings deal. But knowing what we know now, it kind of all starts to make a little bit more sense. Getting back to kind of what I mentioned earlier in the content, what's up with the kind of polarizing nature of both the Bang Energy brand and its CEO, Jack Oak? The product itself kind of sands the super creatine stuff and the brand built around it is hardly enough to create such an emotional response that I've seen over these last few days. So like, what the heck is going on? Well, it's hard to separate Bang Energy, either the brand or the product from its founder, which will arguably become its biggest catch-22 challenge. Before I say anything and just kind of need to reiterate some earlier comments that I said, it's not my intention to speak on any of this personal stuff very much, but it's an important trigger aspect to the entire content. Jack Goak has quite the personality. I can't remember the comedian, but I recall seeing a social media post joking that the comedian didn't know that there was someone who could look more like he founded Bang Energy. Now, that was funny, but that's not generally a bad thing if you personify the brand that you have founded. Now, I wouldn't say that it's different than when we met briefly 15 years ago or what I've experienced in numerous kind of positive private interactions with Jack Goak, but aspects of his personality have been sensationalized, arguably probably purposefully um, to cut through some of the noise and leverage the attention economy. That sensationalism rubs really a lot of people the wrong way, especially when you're talking about competitors. But mix that with a new level of mainstream success that few ever will reach in their lives, and that puts a huge target on Bang Energy's back. Lawsuits came flying towards Bang Energy. Um, they've always been there, but like definitely bigger and, and faster <laughs> these last couple of years. And the two recent judgments from Bang Energy ended up being the nail in the coffin that sent Bang Energy into bankruptcy. In those court documents, they listed the 20 top like unsecured creditors, Monster Energy and Orange Bang, which was joined forces with Monster Energy on one of those court cases, is owed more than $500 million. Most people know that. That's on top of more than $340 million owed to existing secured lenders led by Truist Bank. And then the next largest debt is PepsiCo, which is owed $115 million for what at least in my mind, is likely the amount due for any like early contractual breakup. So what's next for Bang Energy and how does that impact the rest of the growing U.S. energy drinks market? The Chapter 11 bankruptcy essentially helps Bang Energy manage those legal judgments, which included a 5% royalty clause in the Orange Bang case, and also helps them clean up the liability side of the business. Now that hardly means they are on good footing though, and entire kind of bankruptcy process becomes a restrictive umbrella and a huge distraction for leadership at the company. This bankruptcy decision, even if the debt is restructured or someone buys the company, won't solve the actual like internal external business problems at Bang Energy. If anything, solving those issues will be more challenging than any of the kind of bankruptcy process hurdles. And those are like really steep actually. 
Firstly, Bang Energy is losing market share in an increasingly competitive category. Secondly, Bang Energy is in the middle of a major distribution change after leaving the Pepsi system. While Bang Energy is going back to essentially a distribution model that produced like really great results pre-Pepsi and with a lot of the same DSD partners, it comes with a slew of execution risk along with the fact that they won't have the same market momentum and exclusivity on those trucks. Bang Energy will also need to contend with the market misinterpreting the bankruptcy as the business is closing. And while that might be untrue, consumer perception becomes reality, and that causes lost sales. I could go on and on, but you kind of get the point here. Things have changed a lot since 2019. But while the bankruptcy decision likely won't lead to the death of Bang Energy, at least in the near term, it does severely handcuff growth, and I predict will ultimately speed up the changing of the guard that's already been in process since 2020 within the energy drinks market. I just want to end on some kind of quick final thoughts and bring up a point that I stated on my various social media accounts the day that the Bang Energy bankruptcy news broke. This shouldn't be a time that you or your company privately or publicly applauds the fall of Bang Energy or Jack Goak. Like them or not, it's actually a terrible look on your part and shows you don't have any regard for the greater impact everything has in terms of jobs lost, creditors losing money that could cause them stress, the elevated stress to individuals that could lead to mental health issues, and much more. The CPG industry is not a zero-sum game. There's enough for everyone to build massive buildings without needing to tear down others for building materials. If anything, all those competitors that dislike Bang Energy or Jack Goak arguably lost the villain in their storyline, which will ultimately create a stronger grouping of competitors and cause a less obvious differentiation in the market in terms of those unique selling propositions. I'll leave with this kind of point. The launch of Bang Energy in 2012 was arguably a bigger Hail Mary to the survival of financial woes than now when Jack Goak emerged from it. Who wins in a fight? The smart guy or the crazy one? I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I might be a little bit gun-shy to place a bet against him. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 